From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. And welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight we are delving deep onto the science fiction film called Chappie. Came out in 2015 and that is what Space Brains episode 80 is all about. 81. 81. Episode 81. <laughs> That's right, because it's not a classic, even though I honestly feel this could be a classic, this film. It, it, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, in this episode, we'll reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of narrative, plus a nice deep dive into the specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. Neil Blomkoff wrote this with his wife, Terry Tatchell, back in 2015 in two weeks. Sorry. Two weeks. Whilst though on the set of Elysium. Oh, on Elysium, that's another good one of his. And look, this is this is uh, my opportunity to say this is a warning, 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 spoiler alert. We're going to be going into all of every detail of this film. So if you haven't seen it, go back, watch it, enjoy it, and then come back and listen to what we have to say to see if we get it all wrong. Mm, that's your challenge. That is your challenge. Find out if you get it righter than us. <laughs> right. Writer. <laughs> Yes, writers. That's right. Now, Joe, we're in Je- we're in Joburg. Joburg. Joburg, uh, which Neil also set District Nine. He's one of his previous films. Brilliant film. We did it on a previous episode. Go go listen to it. Go watch it if you haven't, and then listen to the podcast. Otherwise, warning. Um, Chappie is set in the near future again in Joburg, where crime is basically totally out of control, and the police add this mechanized police force when one of these police droids Chappie is stolen and given new programming he becomes the first robot with the ability to think and feel for himself what was your number one takeaway from Chappie my number one takeaway from Chappie is sometimes rap is good rap is always good what are you talking about what I'm talking about here is (laughs) Ninja and Yolandi yeah Ninja and Yolandi are a rap pair from Jodeberg they are and uh, they used their own names yes, in this. So I'm, I'm wondering if that was a part of a promotional thing for this film mm. in South Africa. Maybe. South Africa. Uh, and if you're from South Africa, get in touch with me and, you know. Let and me apologies because we're going to. We're I, gonna sound. We're gonna try to sound like you with our Australian look, accents all night long. I love Shalto, <laughs> and he is. Um, he was Vandermeer in. Uh, you know, Vickers in in uh, District Vickers? Nine, yeah. and in this one he is Jappy. He's Jappy, and uh, I reckon we're going to have to do Elysium at some time pretty soon. Mm. 
And in Elysium, I can't remember his character's name, but he is a mercenary killer in that one. He's the bad guy in that one, isn't he? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right, by memory. And it's been a while since I've seen that film. We do need to I love add he, that to the list. I love his accent. I, yeah. Every time I hear him talk, I have I have to try to talk a bit like him. <laughs> and the prawns. <laughs> oh, the prawns love the cat food. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, I entertain myself at times. You do. Uh, but yes, uh, so what I was getting back to was the, the rap performers in this. Mm, the dire antwoord. There yeah. are plenty of uh, times where musicians have transitioned to film mm. and have been a bit awkward. Yep. There have been a couple of rare occasions where they have not. And yep. I think Ice-T does a good job. Mm. Uh, this uh, Yolandi and Ninja. Yeah, they're that, great. You wouldn't know that they weren't professional no. actors full-time. That's right. Uh, they, they did a great job in this. And there's, there's a couple others as well uh, in, in various other cases, but we're not interested in them because they're not in Joburg. <laughs> the violence in Joburg is, is pretty good. I've heard Martin Scorsese, the great director, say it's all about casting. And I think with casting Di Antwood as those characters and I mean they didn't even change their names there could there could have been a technical reason for that as you were just saying but the se- the setting and the type of characters they were in Chappie they just looked perfect for it didn't they to begin with like oh, yes. they didn't even have to open their mouths and they looked like a gang they they just <laughs> fitted that role they, like, they looked know, like, so rough like if you met them true. on the street yeah. and you'd be a bit worried you'd be I think. thinking <laughs> they're either like Sort of meth head gangsters, yeah, or rap performers, yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know. I'm I'm sure there's there's some crossover in various places and cases, yeah. and that's the context, right? If you saw them come off stage, like if you were at a music festival, fine, you'd be going, "Hey, that's yeah, yeah that's, that's a, Diane Wood. A fas- that's fascinating. Yeah, that's great. That, like, setup, they look yeah. like rock and rollers, you know. They look like rappers, whatever. And it's like they fit the crowd, but then if you met them on a dark alley, you'd be a bit worried, I think. So <laughs> yes. it's like casting. I think Neil, you know, whatever the deal was behind that, I didn't I didn't actually find any reasons. Online, if you know why the reason's out there, or Neil, if you're listening, just get in touch and let us know. But I think that casting was a really incredible choice. Oh, it was, and I, a, I love that. Yeah. I, I really liked the fact that without even knowing that they were rappers, yeah. I loved them in it. Yes. And I thought, yeah, they're really good. I loved it. And I, I looked up, what else have they been in? I thought, you know, these guys are great. They yeah. would, you know, they would really fit this sort of, Almost a, a cyberpunk. You, know, you can imagine mm, them being yeah. in in a Blade Runner or something. Definitely, yeah. But it turns out uh, I just got lots of shots of them on stage. <laughs> you know, I went, oh, okay. Yeah. They're uh, performers. Definitely. Fantastic. So that was my number one takeaway. Sometimes rap is good. It's always good, Surrey, especially in sci-fi. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I, will, I will reserve myself in that. So tell me, though. Is this hope, warning, or experiment? Experiment. So I think this is a what if. And my justification is because I feel like there's actually a couple of what ifs in this story arc. Um, So to me, it's like right at the start, it's like if we were in a city where violence is that extreme... The what if is like, what would the police do? You know, they might, maybe the police get machine guns and, you know, they, there's a curfew. But in this context, being sci fi, well, they brought in robots. Mm. Um, there's also the what if of then, well, what, instead of like, like we've watched a few AI and the traditional AI stories, 
the AI becomes human. But in this context, the what if is like, what if the the AI got stuck in a gang, you know, like, mm. and, and that really plays out. And to me, that's the sort of, there's a real heart in this film because it's, yeah, what if an AI was not just in coming alive in a science lab or a military experiment? It's actually like, this is AI on the streets in a gang, you know? And so to me, there's, there's a couple of what, like clear what ifs yeah. in this story, which to me makes it an experiment. I mean, in a way, I think most AI films or stories are probably experiments because it's like the, it's, the arc is what if we give a robot you know, human-like intelligence. You well, know, even things like the, the Terminator is, yeah. it's a bit of a warning, yeah. but it's also sort of like, okay, here's, here's one way that AI could play out. Mm. AI becomes God. The machine, yeah. likewise, is similar in many ways in that yeah. it created this general intelligence yeah. and it learnt and grew under a certain set of environment. Mm. Uh, go back and listen to hear what we had to say about that. Yeah. Go watch the film. It's pretty cool. So and, yeah, yeah, And this one, yeah, it's like, again, it's, it's a different... Slightly different take on it, and yeah. I like it too. Yeah. And, and, and Neil in this film, Chappie takes us to that. It's a real little microcosm of it. So rather than the Terminator where robots take over the world, it's like one robot. And if what what would happen if someone hijacked that one robot? You know, <laughs> not just the system as something, yeah. etc. So it's interesting because what would happen to the robot as it developed, but what yeah. also would happen to the the gang that took it on? Which yeah. I like. It really changed the gang yeah. too. Yeah. So. Was this the first time you've seen Chappie? No, this is the second time. But the first time I watched it would have been back when it first came out. So you reckon seven years ago now? Yeah, 2015. It feels like longer. It does feel longer than 2015. It's funny because it? I'm thinking like Lord of the Rings, oh, that was just really recent. <laughs> that was like 20 years ago or something. But this one here, it's funny because this is one of those movies that I watched. And then we said we're going to do it again. So I've seen it. And I thought, I, I don't remember. Hmm. And I really didn't remember the the ending of it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. I don't know what mindset I was in when I first watched it, <laughs> but I remember enjoying it. I yeah. thought it was pretty pretty neat. Yes. Um, you know, it was, it was hot after uh, after watching District Nine. Yep. Uh, and watched this one. Uh, I, I watched it this time with my wife. Often I'm watching these sci-fi movies on my own. Yep. Because uh, yeah, my wife is she's a busy gal and has things to do, uh, and often the the time constraints. Don't yes. allow us both to watch at the same of time. Uh, and then there's also the incessant note taking and commentary <laughs> I have to make, which sort of can. You start doing the podcast it, during the movie, and can, of course your wife goes, hang on a second. It can save that grate a little. Yes, <laughs> it, it does grate a little bit sometimes. So, wifey, is that hope experiment? Can we just watch it? So, we did, we did, we talked about some of the sci fi here, but uh, was there a single element in here that you really liked? Was it Hugh Jackman's hairstyle? <laughs> I, I, that look, was very sci-fi. It was, wasn't it? It was a great, well, yeah. I guess it was probably supposed to try to match Ninja and that, hey? Like, it was a bit of a monkey mullet, yeah, wasn't it? but it was a mullet. It was like he's an Australian soldier, ex-soldier. It wasn't a classy mullet either. No, it wasn't a classy mullet. I think it, it definitely made him a bit tougher. I, I liked, I will just on a side note, before I answer your question, I like the Hugh Jackman here. Like, it's an interesting... Because he's such a, you know, Wolverine hero, Max Steel, whatever. That You know, most films, he is the protagonist, he's the hero. Yeah. Whereas here, he's playing a minor role. He's the bad... He's like a bad guy in, in mm. amongst a whole bunch of them. Yeah, I really liked 
that his character was this little niche character and seemed to have a lot of enrichment. And he was just so jelly belly, wasn't he? (laughs) He just wanted to take Dev down so badly. So Dev is the one that makes the the chappy robots. So I think for me, a sci-fi element was that answering that what if of chucking AI into a gang. And I loved those little... Uh, intricacies that he picked up those behavioral intricacies so of course there was a swearing but i loved like the nose swipe i love he doesn't have a nose like he doesn't have a nose and he's wiping his nose i loved how he held himself i love that they give him the bling and he likes the bling like they just made they made such a concerted effort to give chappy a real personality from be if a child was kind of being raised in this environment in a gang-like environment and they just hit the they just hit it so perfectly i reckon in this film you know online there's some reviews good and bad people lost a little bit in this film they they got a bit lost or they they didn't quite feel as realistic enough or they didn't like the way chappy kind of developed but to me that that when you break down that sci-fi i really liked that that he took it down that path and he and they gave it a lot enough Personality, and when you when I think when I first watched this, I didn't realize uh, what's his name, Charlo Shalto. Shalto, that's it. I didn't realize that it was actually someone playing that. Like I, ha- I remember after the film, googling and kind of going, "How did they do that?" Because you know, is it just like a Pixels movie? You know, they just animated Chappie in there, and if they have, they've done it really well. But the when you go, kind of realize afterwards, it'd be like Gollum, right? That's how they did it. The yeah. same way they did Gollum, and you're just like, yeah, he really nailed this robot character chappy didn't he like he really they really gave him an element he's very childlike you go through those three or four days as he grows and he's realizing the world and uh yeah to me i loved that element so it's more behavioral science to me in this film yeah it it was nice i i agree that chappy's movements uh, and so on i i thought it was good that they made him so human I was going to say human, but it's not really. They made him. Yeah. They made him so alive. They made him so alive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the fluidity of, I suppose, that that thing they invented for Gollum. You know, the green suit with all the little buttons. You know, the good old um, Weta Digital over in New Zealand, Peter Jackson's company. They came up with that technology for Lord of the Rings, and you know, a filmmaker like Neil Blomkoff years later can use it for something like Chappie, and it's done so well. Why is this a science fiction film? Well, there's the obvious element of there <laughs> being robots, and we always consider robots to be science fiction. Yeah. But in in the larger scope, though, it is a, uh, as you said, it's a what if. I mean, this really becomes a very classic science fiction, which is to take, let's let's take some element of scientific uh, inquiry, which is uh, intelligence, artificial intelligence, mm. and mechanization. Yeah. And what if? What if it occurred in this particular way? And again, if we took the science element out, so let's say Chappie was like a normal person, like mm. a child. Yeah. It couldn't work because Chappie is alive for four days. Yeah. The action of this movie occurs rapidly and Chappie develops very quickly mm. and much faster than human and radically. And the ending, of course, yeah. you couldn't have the ending because no, the ending couldn't. of this uh, and I'll go into more in this in the science section, which is uh, it's something that excites me quite a bit. And it's got a very strong history going on there. But uh, you simply couldn't extract the science out of this movie and then still have the, any of the same relationships. None of the story plot points would make any yeah. sense. No, 
No. So it's it's a science fiction film because it takes a science element. It projects it into a um, a somewhat realistic, and I know I use that in quotation marks, of mm. course, but it is you know under some version of reality possible. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, you know makes it makes it a little scenario that explores the implications of it. Mm. And it's what Blomkov seems to like to do is just take that. You know, like, oh, well, this is, Joe, Joe Berg is very violent. I think some of the statistics at the start of the film have probably been pushed a little bit more, but he likes it because he does it in District 9 as well, doesn't he? It's the, this is an issue, and then what if you chucked a science fiction element onto it? Yeah, you what know, would so be he, the science fiction yeah, resolution, I yeah, guess, yeah. Yeah, and because, like, in this example, it's like, well, gangs and murders happen in Joe Berg, they happen in most big cities. It's it's part and parcel of living in mega cities. I know Joe Berg has a big violent crime street with guns and gangs so it's like well yeah what uh, the what if like what if we chucked in robots you know and we'll come to that in a minute when we get into those plot points but there's definitely you know the question in here is like humans versus robots as in the value of human life versus the robotic life and then you bring in chappy you know so um that question definitely is happening uh, do you know what I, I like about Joe Berg in this? Is it take it took me back to the nineteen nineties vision of Los Angeles. Yeah. So if you look at like Predator Two, yeah, is kind of uh, no, we need to do that one. It's actually quite a good sequel. Yeah. It it takes that Los Angeles as the concrete jungle. Mm. And it projects from the 1990s. And we've got a lot of these movies like Robocop yeah. was another one, no, that was another one where yeah. it takes this idea that, uh, you know, the American crime streak, it was kind of reaching a crescendo yeah, towards yeah. the end of the 80s, into yeah. the 90s. And and they're imagining if it keeps going this way, mm. Los Angeles is just going to be a an almost a war zone without a control. The police yeah. are going to lose it. And Demolition Man plays And Demolition that, Man. Which um, they've already done. But they, as it turns out, they did turn a corner and the crime rate dropped yep. drastically. And there's any number of theories on why that happened. Yep. But I guess Neil has taken this opportunity and said, well, you know what? I'm going to push that same vision of what if jo- you know, Johannesburg, yep. Johannesburg were to be extended like that. You know, yep. So, yeah, it's it's got a bit of a crime problem, but it, it's not... Uh, you know, it's not outrageous. People are still living there quite yeah. happily, living their lives. You know, like, but what if, what if you were to, you know, enhance all of that and give another ten, just ten years, yeah, of it not being contained? Mm. Yeah, that's right. what's it going to look like? Yeah, yeah. You're going to have, you know, gangs running around with yeah. machine guns. Yeah. And there being open warfare between the police and the gangs yeah. as opposed to, you know, precise raids where the police take yeah. down the gangs. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So we would, we'll pause for a second and talk about the film festival. Film festival, oh so my goodness, So we're getting mate. closer. We did have to postpone by a roughly about a month. Uh, we went from Saturday the 21st. <laughs> yeah, can't <work laughs> Printed everywhere uh, and online, but now it is June 18th. So if you are listening to this podcast, it is going to come out before the festival. So I think on our last episode, we said, if you're listening to this, we're past well, the festival. This episode <laughs> has been released a couple of days late due yeah. to due to yeah, due COVID to some of and, issues and, and yeah. people, you know, I know being unconscious and not being able to get together and <laughs> it's oh, it's just what a complicated time. It's been harder to get get things done than yes. Christmas time. I think so. And uh, so it's a couple of days late, but it's June eighteen, which is going to be basically uh, sort of a week and a half, mm. two weeks away. Uh, you do have to buy tickets ahead of time. Yeah, we can't guarantee there'll be any 
at the door as yep. you turn up. We'll try to get your ticket. Yeah, I mean, time, you'll yeah. be able to. The, the ticket yeah. sales, uh, if they're available, will be there at the door. Yeah. But if you really want to go, get your tickets yep. now online. They are selling. Because uh, otherwise you could turn up and find that there are no tickets. Be very disappointed. That would be sad. Be very sad because we'd love to have you there. We want everyone there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, grab your tickets. We've got the workshops are all still locked in. Uh, we did have one change of speaker, the author. We went from Amanda Bridgman. Yep. She's gone off to wow, some of the, on the Supernova comic Supernova, yeah. convention, yep. pop culture convention. Yep. So she's a, a, a popular woman she and, is. you know, can't guarantee that she's going to be around if no. we don't get her on the 21st, so the 18th. <laughs> but that's okay. We've got Samantha Murray. Yeah. And she uh, she's an, a really award winner. She has produced a great many short fiction yeah. uh, in popular magazines that you would know and love, uh, collections and so forth about the place. She has enormous experience in selling short film, uh, short stories. Yeah. She has enormous experience in developing uh, worlds and plot points and awesome. amazing writing experience that she's yeah. going to share with us. Yes, and that's what she is running. She's running a writer's workshop. So... Yeah, if you're a writer out there interested in science fiction writing or you just like reading lots of science fiction writing, that's a workshop for you. Yes. So get your ticket, come on down, go to the Space Brains website, go to the Space Brains Facebook, Instagram, wherever, uh, or Mandra Performing Arts Centre website and you will be able to buy tickets. Grab them while they're hot. While they're hot. <laughs> June 18th. Okay, so let's move on to a bit of plot stuff, Surrey, and some of the key visual elements of Chappie. Chappie. Uh, so we're going to get stuck into areas to do with symbolism, narrative, camera, lighting, sound, editing, genre, social commentary, and some of the themes and messages. Where Chappie was written, as I said, by Neil Blomkoff and his wife, Terry Tatchell, who's Quite a well-known writer now. She also writes kids' books. Oh. Uh, more recently, she's been writing kids' books. So, yeah, and uh, she's been a writing partner with Neil. As I mentioned earlier in the show, believe it or not, as they were making Elysium, they wrote Chappie in two weeks. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the film star Shalto... Well, you say his name better, don't you? Sh Shalto. Shalto. Oh. Shalto, Copley, Dev Patel, Hugh Jackman, Ninja, Yolandi Visage... Jose Pablo Cantillo, I think, and the one and only Sigourney Weaver. Sigo. We've seen so many of <laughs> Sigo. Sigo. I did not say that. <laughs> uh, it was actually filmed in Joburg. I love that. And then there were, I think there was some post-production done back in Canada. Uh, it had a budget of 49 million US and the box office broke 102 million. Oh, it's nice. not his biggest uh, box office success. Uh, District 9 has the biggest ratio you know, mm. from profit to the cost, but Elysium actually has the higher amount, but it had a much bigger uh, budget. We had Matt Damon. I had Matt Damon. You just got to pay him about 30 million that. probably to get him out of bed, don't you? Um, <laughs> sorry, Matt, if you're listening. Yeah. How much does it cost to get you out of bed? We'll pay I'm you interested. $50. <laughs> Will that work? 
No, I'm not paying him $50. He's coming on the show. We, anyway, like to break down all narratives into some common common sorry elements that you can find from all good story and script writing teachers. You'll probably hear about this if you come to the festival. Uh, we've got people like Campbell, Snyder, McPhee, Field. Google them. You'll find lots of information if you're a wannabe writer or learning how to write or want to know the structure of features and novels. Go check them out. Really great teachers. Uh, and we we like to break it down into that same area. So there is a three-act structure, Sorry, What happens in the first act very quickly? The first act is introduction. It is inciting incident. It is the debate and choice of act two. So what does all that mean? It means that we need to see who, what the world is. What's the opening image? What, mm. what do we see here? Uh, and then we move on quickly then to meeting all the characters hopefully seeing what some of their life is like, maybe guessing at what their problems might be because we don't want things to be too easy. And then we have the inciting incident. And the inciting Ooh, incident is the inciting. important, I think this is the really important point <laughs> it's so important. of uh, Act 1 because this is what kicks the story off. This is where mm. the audience, you know, is given a question they want answered. You know, and mm. this is that moment at the very first part of the film where as an audience member you go ah that's what this film is going to be about yeah and it, it may not be entirely about that but that's that's where your you know interest is peaked and i watched this fantastic film it was actually quite surprisingly a um an amazon an amazon original okay and i have to say a lot of the netflix and amazon originals uh, have not been as tightly edited and sharp mm. as like say films that have had to go into more competitive marketplaces. Yeah. But this film, it's called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Right. And it has, right on the 12-minute mark, it's got a really sharp, inciting incident. I'm not going to give it away because yeah. I want you to go watch this film. I, I think it's actually worth watching. It's it's well-written. It's very interesting. It's a fantastic take on Groundhog Day. I know this okay. is a this is basically Groundhog Day introduced this genre. Yeah, yeah. They even reference Groundhog Day in it, so they're yeah. well aware yeah. of what's going on. Interesting. Um, right up front, but right at the at the twelve minute point, there's an inciting incident, like like straight onto camera, and you go, mm. oh, <laughs> there's the story. There's the story. And then then you're off. So yeah. the inciting incident super important. And then the debate though. This is the bit where it's like. Okay, so this inciting incident happened. This thing has happened that has changed things. Mm. But is it something that it, it, it's going to change our lives? Do we want it to change our life, mm. or do we are we afraid of that change? Do we not want it? Is there some reason to not pursue this change? Mm. And fortunately, they always do pursue the change. <laughs> but you need to have that debate because yeah. if you don't have the debate, it's it just. It just falls flat. You don't yeah. get excitement. You don't see a reason for why that – you don't get drive in the plot, yeah. I think well, is a term. But also it's very it's very human. Like can you imagine if your world turned upside down, you don't necessarily just fix it straight away. So, for example, if you were told your inciting incident is that you're suddenly got a illness that's going to wipe you out in six months' time. Hmm. Most, some people might then go, you go into a debate. What What do I do? Yeah. Do I just keep doing what I'm doing? Do I like quit my job? But you don't just like straight away 
do an action, you would think about things. And yes. that's the point of the debate. Like the character's world should turn upside down so severely that there has to be a debate. There has to be. Yeah. And and that, it does. I think I'm going to use this term from now on. It, it's what drives the plot. Yeah. And that's yeah. what plot is as opposed to story. Without mm. this drive, this because, yeah. it's just a series of events. Mm. And it's like listening to someone describe their dream. Yeah. And you know how dreams are really oh, boring to listen to? God, they're so boring. Because they're just a series of events. <laughs> There's are. no drive they to are. them. There is, right? But anyway, after the after the uh, you know the debate, and they choose Act Two, yeah. and in Act Two we get what Mark? Well, we get a whole series of scenes, which what you'd call the fun and game. So it's really investigating that plot, isn't it? So it's 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 playing with their decision. So they've made now a decision, and they're going to go down. So let's do take a character who has found out they've got six months to leave live. During the debate, they weigh up some different options and they decide that, hey, I'm going to go out and live in a commune commune, sorry, in the wilderness where no one wears any clothes and you spread honey all over your body and you apparently can cure any illness. No. Yeah. Right? So that's, delicious. that's the they've chosen that as their their solution to dying in six months. Mm. And so we go out and the fun and games is of course them being at this commune and spreading honey all over their naked body. All right. Sounds and like so, a comedy. Yeah, all right. It's a comedy. Maybe it's a sci-fi but as well. But and then we're gonna find out that the commune the community is maybe not so happy la la after all, or so healthy after all, whatever, right? So that's the fun and games. The fun and games is the protagonist has made their decision and we have a series of scenes which are the fun and games. Blake Schneider loves, and I love love how Blake Schneider describes it, it's the trailer of the film. Mm. So it shouldn't give it away. It shouldn't give away the ending of the plot, but it gives away the fun part of the film. Um, in Chappie, it's really obvious. It's Chappie being trained by gang members. Yes. <laughs> like, and the, and and he's, and so that's the fun in games. We have an AI birthed into a gang. And what would a gang do with an AI robot, you know? And there's such a great scene in this where he then steals the cars, you know, like, and he, <laughs> because he's, a, he's powerful, he's huge, he's, he can rip a car apart. And it's just so funny. Um, in a very action-packed film, you know, like there's a there's a release of the valve there in Chappie. Um, so that's the fun and games. We of course get to the midpoint. Midpoint is when it has to get a bit more serious. As I said, guy in the wilderness trying to get healthy, it, realizing this place isn't actually very healthy after all. So the midpoint is quite often a bit of a down point, uh, a false victory. The idea is you're right smack bang in the middle of the story. They've tried stuff. They've had a bit of fun with their decision. And now things are getting a bit serious. And and from there, things get more and more serious in a way or, or worse. Or And quite often the expression is the bad guys close in. Um, their life doesn't go so well. You know, so if the guy's really sick, now he's even more sick. The honey didn't work. Oh. The community he was in was actually fraudulent and had to be closed down by the authorities. Turns out they harvest organs. Yeah, and they squeezed that and it wasn't honey that he was putting on his body oh, after for all. genetic experiments. <laughs> yeah. And he was going to be squeezed. And so he's back to basically square one again, right? So it's like all is lost. Quite often something dies. In this particular story I'm talking about, what might die is the hope that he was going to live is mm. dead. So something is lost. There's a very clear death in Chappie. And then that leads into, 
hang on, I'm here, my life is crap, my decisions were crap, you know, everything I've done hasn't really worked out. And that's what we call the dark night of the soul. And in that searching of your soul, you're in the cave, the character's in the cave trying to figure out, well, what do I do next? Do I lie down and just die? Or do I try to do one more thing? And, you know, you might call it a light bulb moment or whatever, but quite often the journey that they've gone on has taught them something that in that darkness they realize, hang on, I could try this. And they try it. And that's actually what gives them a new plan. And they kind of need to take those steps. And that takes us into Act 3. And Act 3, quite clearly, is the finale. Yeah. <laughs> it's where we see the, the term is, you know, gearing up, heading out on their plan. Mm. They've, they've Neo asked for guns, lots yeah. of guns. Lot, give me lots of guns. And we get excited because Act 3, is it's a new... It's almost a new fun and games, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. it's like, ah, oh, now we're going to get some ass kicking or now we're going to get some resolution. Now yeah. we're going to find out what was really in the honey. Because <laughs> right. there was something in the honey. There was something in the honey. It wasn't curing people. It was, no. it was making them grow extra ears yeah. <laughs> for athletes who had lost their ears in tragic basketball accidents. That's right. This this movie needs to be made. I think it sounds it sounds Space a bit, Brains production sounds a bit like a Will Ferrell movie though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Anyway, but the, the actual the plan doesn't work. It's the It's almost. I mean, you can even sort of look at it like uh, an act two. You've got a midpoint. Yeah. You've got this point where the the first action we get a bit of fun and games. Maybe they start kicking a bit of butt. Maybe they yeah. start winning the court case, whatever. Yeah. And then there's a reversal. It turns out their plan, which was based on the what they'd always done, it just doesn't work. Mm. And this is where they, you know, remember sometimes in these films there's a literal flashback to something someone says, yeah. you know, use the force, Luke. Yeah. You know, like bang, straight in there. And then a, a mini debate sometimes. Mm. Like I, and quite often it's a self-doubt, isn't it? A bit of self-doubt. It's a bit of like, really? But I always thought I knew what I was doing for this plan. Yeah. Turns out it's not quite right. Mm -hmm. And again, this is one of these compressions of humanity. You know, yeah. we, we need to, in real life, nothing quite works out the way we want it no. to. But if we're resourceful and lucky, we can pull it off. And that's what happens mm. In most films, yeah. unless it's a real tragedy, in which case sometimes they try their last issue effort and it's just not good enough. No. Um, and how they do this finale, how the director and the writer pull off this finale is how you leave the film. And yeah. if you leave the film feeling something mm. and questioning things, then they've done the right job. If you leave the film thinking, I swear there was enough room on that bit of wood for Jack and Rose to <laughs> both float. There was. Rose. James Cameron won. James Cameron, he, he succeeded. He yeah. he made the film because you left there going, it was so sad. Did it have to be so sad? Yeah. And all that debate and, and sometimes anger, it, it's kind of, you know, that's what art does for you. Yeah. And in the, the finale happens, we have this final image which gives you some shot of how life is now. Mm. Uh, you know, how life is now after Chappie. Mm. We get some sort of a, an idea of it. And it's usually yeah. mirrors a bit of the starting. So we see like a start, you know, uh, scene where the world is currently and then we get a scene at the end which lets us know how that start is now different. Yeah. And, Perfect. And it's lovely. It is. 
And that's what we expect. And we're disappointed when it doesn't hit those beats. That's well, the that, thing. That's, that's what I mean. People try and some films uh, can be quite experimental in the way they yeah. handle these beats. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes they blur a bit, you know, and, and some of the greatest films made do that. They, yeah. they, they play with time, the order in which the beats occur. You know, the, yeah. the story happens out of order in order to present the beats the yeah, way they that, need to be. That's fine, but we don't want to see weak beats, do we? Yeah, we, we need to see an ending. Yeah. Like if it just we sort need of... to have a satisfied, satisfying ending. It, if it just sort of trails off, you're kind of like, well, what was, was the that point? The, the end? Yeah. And I don't know, <laughs> maybe, you know, if you're talking real art house type stuff, maybe sometimes that's the intention. Mm. But um, if you're talking about a movie where people will be coming back to watch it and pay money for it, which is usually the ones we're watching, yep. you need that. You, you, need, you, you end up following these things. You do. You do. Um, so it's not so much about a happy ending, it's just more about a satisfying ending. I yes, think. the That's ending the has difference. to hit you somewhere yeah. and make you feel something. It does. If you leave a movie without feeling something, something happiness, anger, love, joy, <laughs> sadness, yeah, yeah, they, they, it's not quite right. And really all those other things, the temporal order, the special effects, the you know the stars that are in it, I'm a demon, Um doesn't really matter. It's how it makes you feel at the end and mm. how you walk away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Chappie. Do you Chappie. remember what happens at the very start of Chappie? At the very start of Chappie. <laughs> it's very... We have some prawns. <laughs> it's very... Well, it's very similar to District yeah, 9. it's very similar. So we get these sort of uh, sound bites of like interviews, sort of documentary yeah. style as it brings it in. And, you know, I can't blame Neil for using no. this again because no, it is is so effective. It How is. many films have we seen where it's... Uh, zooming into the rotating globe, and then you get little cuts away to stock footage and news reports. Yeah, uh, you know, like it's just—it's a great way of compressing mm. um, a whole bunch of information in an interesting way. What so so what Neil does, I think, really cleverly is he—he's really quick. It's very fast. This film in particular, Chappie, that opening, like the opening ten minutes, we get delivered a whole bunch of set up really fastly. Mm. Um, and I think that opening, I think it's only about 90 seconds of the opening of the film where basically brought into this very violent Joburg, you know, and that's done through the same style of sort of like mockumentary, interviewing a professor, interviewing a police person, I think, interviewing the robotics or whatever, like very quickly within about 90 seconds, we're in a very violent Joburg. Yeah. And I quoted there, there's like 300 murders a day is the news line. <laughs> and it's like, wow, 300 murders a day. They are a violent city in this film, right? And yeah, we've got this very doco style, but he cuts from that doco style and there's a nice tracking in shot of the press conference of the police chief, I think it is. Yeah. And he's addressing the media, he's addressing the public that... From today, and it reminded me a bit of RoboCop. I haven't seen RoboCop in a long time, but it had a very RoboCop feeling. I don't know if you felt that, but my memory of RoboCop, because it's like from today onwards, things are going to change. And, and he has this lovely long tracking shot onto Chappie. Well, one of the scouts. One of the scouts, yeah. Mm. And um, it's a very sort of epic, you know, it's not so much about the humans, is it? it's about the robot. Yeah, and we do get a, a nice sort of 
gang fight at the start That's as right. well, where we, we see these scouts in action. Yeah. And this is the opening image. We we see uh, you know a gang, uh, which is you know Ninja and Yolandi. They they rock up mm. to do some sort of a transaction. Yeah. And as a dissatisfied transaction, so these gang these these two are going to fight. Or there's a threat. So you got to get twenty million dollars or something. Hippo is the bad guy there. Yeah. <laughs> Hippo, you know, he's he's unhappy and he's going to shoot everyone if he doesn't get his money. And, you know, it's it's a fairly classic as you He's a scary looking dude. He's gang a sort dude. of confrontation. Yeah. But then the, the cops turn up. Yep. And, you know, there's ex- suddenly there's explosions. You know, the, the gangsters are really serious. Hippo, yep. he had explosives all set up yep. to cause confusion. Yeah. And then there's, you know, assault rifles firing off. And then the scouts come pouring in and you see that they're very powerful. They're resisting bullets and they're being used as shields to help yeah. the police. And-, and to me, that's a point to to note with this is like they're, they're, you notice the cops treat them even a bit roughly. Mm. Like they push them ahead. They stand behind them. They do it. So you see how effective they are. But I also think that there's a, this is where the theme of the film starts in that it's sort of like that human versus robot what is human, you know, which mm. again, which is very similar in these films. That's what I'm noticing in all the AI films. It's kind of like who is more human, the robot or the humans? Well, uh, and it's interesting <laughs> to think of that when the robots, they're pieces of equipment. They are. Like yeah. uh, often referred to as toasters in various yeah. films. Yeah. And yeah, it's just sort of thing, just because it's shaped roughly humanoid, mm. It makes it no different from the the laptop I've got sitting on my yeah, desk no. here, which and you would hold up if someone had a gun in your face. <laughs> well, not my laptop. No. My, my my laptop's beautiful and gorgeous and deserves life. <laughs> yeah, the and what happens is it a real bloody shootout. And it's, it's, it's a great battle. Fast. It's a great battle. There's explosions. Uh, there's a police helicopter which gets shot down, and then they say we have to get out of here. There's a car that. Kind of has a rocket. There's a rocket launcher involved, isn't well, there? And what I, I like, like here is the lead up to this battle. Uh, we have Scout Unit Twenty Two is brought in for repairs, yeah. mm. and they, you know, oh, it's his, his little ear. He's got these little rabbit ears. It's yeah. very cute, very expressive, of course. <laughs> and they take one off, and then they don't have any. They've got to repair them quickly because suddenly yeah. they're called all units in. Yeah. And so they, they put on like the ear from one of the test units. Mm. So it's orange painted. Yeah. And so now we can characterize. Now we can tell. This the, one. This one is the important. Yeah, yeah. this one here. And, I, and I, I like that because it's it introduces another philosophical point, which is uh, it's, it's done in Robin Williams' Millennial Man. Yeah. Where it's, it's this story, uh, the old parable of the ship. It sets out from... You know, England, and it's all painted blue. Everything is blue on it. Mm. And as it travels, you know, along its trade route, it gets across and goes, gets damaged in storms. It pulls in to, you know, Jamaica and it gets a bit some repairs with red pieces of, you know, ship. And then it gets a bit damaged and it goes, as, as it travels around the world, it's slowly repaired and repaired and repaired until by the time it gets back to England, there's no blue pieces left at all. They're all red because mm. that's all they've had. And the question is, is it the same ship mm. that's set out from England or a completely new one? Mm. And, um, you know, and here we have Chappie, his ear gets taken off and a red piece is put on. And it's sort of interesting, this idea of, oh, hang on, is that the same? How, how much can change about this robot before yeah. it's not the robot that left the factory? Yeah. It's a different <laughs> robot. It's a different robot. And, you know, it's that's not a big theme in this, but it is one of these things of of 
change mm. and and how it's there's an essence, a soul, a spirit, which it's introduced. I mean, I don't know, may, maybe I'm reading more into it, but the fact that it, it was that red piece, mm. which is from this particular story yeah. of the, the ship. Um, some people also know it as my grandfather's axe, right? where, you know, I, I inherited my grandfather's axe, but, you know, over time the handle broke, so I put a new handle on it. Yeah. And then it got so blunt and resharpening, I had to replace the head. Yeah. And then you go, well... Is it the same? Is it actually my grandfather's axe? <laughs> yeah. Because it's new hand on new head. Same difference. Well, you could question that philosophy because he's, Chappie is going to change, right? Like we sort of we know that that's the story. He's, he's going to grow. But from a story point of view, especially film, you're putting a visual element on him, aren't you? A red ear. So he just looks different to the other scouts straight away. Well, it's why yeah. a lot of characters, uh, you, you see... Uh, a whole bunch of well, what's that movie? Which one of those Star Wars movies? All these white stormtroopers, but mm. then there's one that's silver. Yeah, that's right. Like, so just, just to give us that point of difference. Um, but quite often the good guys, which Chappie is like, they'll add those elements because it's you know it's like stickers on a backpack or something, right? A bit of like flair. it's tatt tattoos on Ninja. You know, like it, it makes them, it gives them an individual characteristic, makes them stand out. Henchmen in a movie about, you know, you've got to give them all little different traits, don't you? Maybe a pirate patch. You need the you know, big like, one and yeah, the little skinny one. little skinny one and then you need yeah. one that's got a patch on. And the one that wears a hat. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. so so they do stand out and they remember. But in that scene when he does the ear, just to also add a character trait, the technician goes, oh, you're always getting in trouble. Yes. <laughs> you're always coming back here, you know. Like it's, So it's straight away kind of setting up this particular scout, which at this point in time he's not chappy. But it's kind of alluding that he's got, you know, he's 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 attracted to trouble or something. There's right? something like, special. Like there's something one. a bit different about him because, mm. as we know, they should all be like microwaves off a off a supply chain, off a you know a, a chain where it's just all the same. There, there yeah. shouldn't be a difference in them, should there? And sure enough, in this battle with Hippo, it's Chappie who uh, takes <laughs> uh, takes an RPG to yeah, the chest and right. knocks him down. Yeah, and that's how Hippo escapes in that case where he. Yeah. He manages to cause enough sort of confusion and damage. Mm. Now, is off. that the catalyst? Sorry, I I think that. Or is that just before the catalyst? No, what was the, your thinking? The inciting or the inciting incident, incident? Sorry, we're calling the uh, inciting incident is. I see. This is one of those movies where there's this. See, the map of tiny perfect things. There is one clear, like one or two second shot where you can go. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. This movie, it's a build-up. So I think Neil is hiding it a little bit for you. He gets sent but it's there. for scrap. Yeah. So Chappie is like, uh, this one's no good. His battery is fused. Reject. Send him off for scrap. Yeah. So that's the beginning of it. Because you already know he's special, Yeah. this robot. And then when uh, old Dion, I think his name is, yeah. is the, the character, Dion, yeah. uh, goes and gets his artificial general intelligence, comes back and says, bing, you know, consciousness dot dat is complete, which is yeah. like, okay, that's kind of cool. Just it's called consciousness dot dat. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of at that point there as an audience member, I go, ah, Chappie sent, uh, you know, unit 22 mm -hmm. sent to scrap. It's no longer needed for anything. And he's got this intelligence program. Yeah, it's an That's where you sort of go, okay, I can see where this is going now. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if Chappie is the protagonist... He's dead by 10 minutes into the mm. film, but then he's brought back to life. Yes. So 
but by dying, he's brought back to life in a new way. <clears throat> and the other thing is we're we clearly told straight away the reason why he's defunct is the battery has moulded into his guts or whatever, right? Yeah. So he's kind of not repairable. And I love it. It's like a reject sticker right on his face as well. Yeah. <laughs> so that to me is kind of like the inciting incident, like the the, the moment because mm. as a character, because the film is called Chappie, you know, like yes. it's about it. But I agree that it's not as clear cut because then it's like, you need these other moments to make that happen, don't you? Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Is that, uh, that's the start of it, but the moment as the audience member, I go, aha, yeah. where? Yeah, because you you're going, oh, he's sent off to scrap, and you know there's something special. Yeah, but you're going, where is this headed? It's got you interested, mm. but it's it's because it's only moments later that he gets his he goes yeah. home and his other robots, and then he's ding, conscious not that yeah. it's finished. That's when as you you put two and yeah. two together and you go, oh. That unit twenty two would be the perfect yeah, you know, test vessel. Try it in that, yeah, yeah. Um, which he does. So he's and th- so this to me is the debate: is that he takes him, so he sort of steals him because he goes to good old, what did you call her? Sigo. Sigo <laughs> goes to Weaver and uh, he says, you know, like artificial intelligence, you know, consciousness, you know, philosophy. He's not man. a good like, salesperson. You know, like he could do great. art, and it can do art. And she's like, you do realize, you know, you're talking to a robotic company that sold sells robots to the military and the police. Like, we're happy, we, and we're happy. I like, I like that she says that. It felt like a real. It, you know what? This film really feels like a real workplace, doesn't it? Yes. Like the way that even him and Hugh Jackman are just in those little cubes. Quite often in these films, aren't they? Like they're off in like white, perfect Apple-styled labs, and they've got their own office with six screens and receptionists and all this kind of stuff. Whereas in this film, they're just like literally cubicles. It's very realistic, I think. Um, Tetravars, I think. Well, see, the thing is, I would have thought he he says talks about art and beauty and philosophy, and she says that we make weapons. If he'd said. A robot that can come up with art and philosophy on its own can also come up with tactics yeah. and strategy and new with, weapons without human input. Yeah. Which means that we don't have to risk humans. We can have entire tactical units led by one of these. Yeah. And then that's something. Go. Oh, that's hang on. That's pitch. that's dollar signs. Like to replace entire units of humans. Yeah. They're going to have to buy a lot of these. Yes. Yeah. But. He's an idealist, and he doesn't say he's not interested in that. He wants to make a, a robot artist. So anyway, he steals the chassis, the Scout twenty two. And, and or whatever I, it is, I, I think the, the stealing boot. it is the choosing act too. So right. the debate is, he's he's wondering whether he should steal it. Now he's mm. looking, you know, he's he's thinking about doing it. Uh, at some point, that he could have backed out and just taken Sigourney Weaver's character's words as okay. Uh, I'll just have to wait for another opportunity. But then he goes, nah, and he nicks the uh, nicks the robot to install it. Right. That's where he's chosen to go on his way. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, if you're out there listening and you've watched Chappie yourselves, maybe let us know because I disagree with that. Yeah, uh, there is a later moment which could also be <laughs> arguably. To, to me, so to me, the reason why I said what's the inside incident is I do f- feel like it's a little bit, uh, it's a bit unusual in this film and that is fine. It's mm. still, because if it is Chappie, Maybe it's him dying. Maybe it's him being rescued by um, Dion. You know, like what is the actual moment, right? 
But then to me, the debate is, you're right, like him saying to Sigourney Weaver, I've got a new idea, her rejecting that. Should I steal it? How am I going to, like, you could see on his face, he was like, mm. how do I make this happen? And realizing he could steal the, the, the parts, the one that was discombobulated, whatever you want to call it. So he steals it. And to me, that's great. And he's, so he's, plot his plan is to go back home and do the operation right and it would have been perfect but being hijacked and then the ninja and so so he gets hijacked by ninja and yolanda and america being hijacked from them stops his plot which is great uh and then he's forced to make another decision which is well does he bring this robot to life and because that's what they beg of him don't they they Mm. say do it or they don't beg of him they they're going to kill him and so to me... Not that he seems terribly concerned about no, that. No, and that's the scientist, isn't it? Like, no. But, but the fact that then he... Because there's a real pause. There's a lovely little close-up, isn't it, on the keyboard where he presses Y yeah. to input the consciousness into the scout chappy. And, um, but he could have not done it because I don't think they would have been able to figure out how to do it. So he could have just not done it. So yeah. to me, that's the, the... And then the fact that he's done it and it's worked. That's Act Two. Yes, that's yeah. then now the fun and games. Yeah, and and that's I th- I think I think I, I can accept that argument. That's not a. But if you're out there listening, that, let us know. Do you agree with Surrey or do you agree with Mark? Let us know. Mm. <laughs> Be interesting. We should. Well, sit up and we do have some great fun and games. We immediately have a time clock. We We've do. got two time clocks. We do, don't we? One is Chappie has five days, mm. and Hippo has demanded they've got uh, a week. At the, at the at the very start, it was a week to yeah. do it. So there's, and and that becomes shorter as we go along. But yeah. we five days is how long we have for Chappie's yeah. battery to last, and his battery can't be replaced. Yeah. So we've been told, yes. can't, apparently can't be recharged either. Yeah. And it's a very, um, you know, like the gang are very unstable. We don't know what they're going to do with Chappie. Um, that time frame doesn't seem real, and and even straight away, Ninja is not really into like having to train a robot. He just wants to get the money. Yes. Um, and so this is where we do have this kind of breakup of the gang. Um, Yolandi sees Chappie for what he is that it's because Dion says, oh, it's like he's a, a baby. He's like a child. Mm. He's got to learn. And so Yolandi takes on that real motherly oh, role. Isn't it, isn't it it's sweet so the way she, yeah. she takes him under the wing and a little chappy. calls him Chappie. <laughs> oh, your name is Chappie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Even that line, she's like, does America say he's like a little chap or something? And then she goes, oh, it's chappy. And Dion's like, oh, no, you can't call him chappy. Like very, you know, like that's a silly. And she goes, oh, oh well, no, you're chappy. <laughs> Dion probably wanted to call him, you know, like Galileo. Or, yeah, something like that. Yeah, you know, one of the Ninja no, Turtles. No, my name is chappy. <laughs> um, and we have this great thing that he says he wants to come back to train him. And they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe. But, you know, not expecting him to really probably come back. Um, and this is the fun and game. So he does some painting. He beautifully paints that rusted old V-dub, doesn't he, out in the sun. Um, we get him he, trying to shoot a gun. Shoot a gun. He's talking like a gangster. Yeah, he learns from America how to swagger. <laughs> swagger and do the nose swipe. Um, and, and incorrectly say rude words. Yeah. And he's got this debate as like little kids do, like, you know, oh, you shouldn't hurt anyone. And then so they're trying to also say, well... What if, what if, you know, like, what if someone was hurting you? Would you hurt them back? You know, like, the, it's the questions kids ask, right? Like, the, it's those philosophical questions of, 
you know, if someone punches you, are you allowed to punch them back? Or, you know, like, what if they're attacking mummy? Yeah, how, how far will you tolerate someone's actions yeah. before you take action? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, a whole, that's a whole bloody field of debate and philosophy. It's called the, um, uh, the paradox of tolerance, if you want to look it up. Yeah. And it's, it's that whole point that essentially if we were to say uh, we should never commit violence, we should tolerate all points of view and all behaviors. We should, yeah. we should be totally tolerant. Yes. Okay. The problem is then that someone will cheat. And they will do something like just murder all of their enemies mm. or anyone who gets in their way. Yep. Do you, and you go, oh, no, I'm going to tolerate that. And you know what ends up happening, of course, is the people who just kill all of their enemies just take over and the only people who survive are the people who also tolerate. kill. And yeah. so you lose tolerance. Mm. By being too tolerant, you have no tolerance because everyone ends up becoming the most awful. Yeah. I, and uh, so you need to, you need to have some. There's always some line to draw. There is, and there's, that's where the debate always is. Is as you know, how much would you let someone hurt you before you physically restrain them? Yeah. Or yeah. you know, and then when you do that, what do you do? Because if you let them go, they might. They'll just start doing it. Like when yeah. you're talking serial killers, like psychopathic serial killers, mm. if you let them go, they will just kill again. Yeah. So at what point do you just say, well? We have to deal with this permanently, and yep. it's touched the bit on here where Chappie is conflicted mm. uh, with this. Uh, fortunately, convicted. though, he is a child, and they come up with, "Oh, you don't have to shoot a gun; you just use use a knife. <laughs> Put them to sleepy <laughs> sleep. <laughs> they like it. They they actually like you doing this. It yeah. makes it very peaceful for yeah. them." <laughs> Which, you, as the audience, you can immediately see this is not going to be good. This is going <laughs> to result in some. Twisted moment, yeah, which is very cool. Uh, which he like shows the danger in the moment, doesn't he? Because he goes to America, you want the good to sleep? No, 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 I'm not tired. And then, so Ninja's you know, he's had enough of the fun and games of it, and he decides to, Oh, Jappy, you want to see the real world, and takes him out into the real world. And, and there's this great sequence here where. You know, we're kind of like Chappie's in the back seat of the van. And he's, again, it's very childlike and it's shot through the van and he's looking at like the billboards and he, you know, it's like an internet site. What's the internet, you know? And and he's like looking out and there's like, you know, you can see the graffiti and you can see cars going past. It's a very much like a kid taking in the world for the first time. Mm. And it's, I reckon it was, it was shot really nicely. So is this coming to the midpoint? Well, it's getting close, but I think it's still a little bit more. But yeah, he Ninja takes him. He wants to, yeah, he wants to teach him in a different way that the world is not kind. I think doesn't he? Like the world's not nice, and so because he's saying he can't be violent, and so he takes him out. And there's a group of thugs, and he goes, "Oh, just you know, just kicks him out of the van, or oh, you walk home, walk home." And yeah. these thugs start like going, "Oh, it's a police robot. They're frightened," and then they realize. I oh, know it's a bit different. What's wrong with him? And Chappie's like going, oh, I'm just hello, hello. And they just start beating the crap out of him, don't yeah, they? Yeah, chuck up. Molotov on him. And so, you know, he runs away. It's a very like, you know, soppy, slow motion film scene. You know, as an audience, you can't help but feel for him, you know, because he doesn't retaliate to these teenage thugs. No. And then on the way... Back, um, Vincent, who's Hugh Jackman, oh, has that's been... That's his name, yeah. I, was, I, I just, In my notes, he's just Hugh. Hugh, yeah. Good old Hugh has been sort of, you know, scoping out and 
we've seen a bit of this, but it's pretty, it is a bit minor, but he's, he's jelly belly's coming to the foray and he's been scoping out what the hell is Dion up to with this robot. And um, this scene, he, he finds, uh, you know, Chappie walking back and kidnaps him. Yep. Takes the guard key out of his skull. Yeah, and he wants the guard key, which is like the software, I suppose, or something like so that. It's the encryption lock. Yeah, encryption lock of everything. He cuts off his arm, yes, which that's is a very brutal scene, isn't dismembering it? Dismembering him, yeah, yes. You know, and, that, he, and that, and this is that line we're talking about. Yeah. Where does Chappie draw the line? And yeah. when is, is, okay, so they pulled the guard key out and Chappie's like, I, I don't like that. That's sort of delicate yeah. in there. Yeah. But then his arm gets chopped off and then Chappie goes, yeah, no, okay, that... That's far enough. Yeah. And he and he throws them off and yeah. he doesn't continue that. He could have no. just killed them at that killed point. Killed them all, yeah. But he throws them off and kicks his way out and yeah. runs yeah. for it. Yeah. Uh, cripple. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I think I think this is now again debatable exactly what this midpoint is. Uh the midpoint is either here or in a little bit when Dion buys a gun. So it depends on, on your point of view here. Because on one thing, things have gotten very serious now. So Ch- Chappie's been robbed of his mm. his childhood. His innocence, yeah. He's, so the, the good times have sort of come to an end. Yeah. But that's that maybe that's the start of it because then he goes home and, and mum, which is sort of the B story. Wraps him back up and you know, protects him. Looks after him and they, they put a new arm on him again, like as another coloured yeah. arm. Red arm. So now we're getting a, <laughs> another difference. And then... Um, but Dion buys a gun. So this is like Dion who doesn't believe in violence. Dion who just went with these gangsters and wants Chappie to do art and things. Now, if he's gone, okay, it's gun time. Yeah. Things, everything has everything has suddenly gone, okay, now it's not just playing around. Now things are serious. Mm. Which leads us though to a little bit more... It's kind of the the next level of fun and games, isn't it? So we had all yeah. of the okay. Here's Chappie learning to be who he is, and he's he's developed now. Mm. You can sort of say he's he's established a personality. He's he's kind of a pacifist, yeah. And he but he he realizes there is always a point where you've got to draw a line. Mm. And uh, you know, Dion has likewise gone. Okay, my ideals of having a you know an artificial intelligence which teaches humanity how to love yeah is not going is not working out right and then we get into but we get into now Dion uh, not Dion Chappie's criminal career yeah so as sounds- the the plan gets hatched on how to make enough money to pay hippo mm. back so to me to me the and again it'd be great to, so Surrey's kind of saying that that's heading in after the midpoint to me it's like and I didn't pause it, so I don't exactly know the timing. I might be off. But to me, when he returns from the man in the van, Vincent Hugh Jackman, you know, yeah. so he calls the mummies, man in the van took me to cut yeah. my arm off. <laughs> like it was like, it's like the pedophile idea, yeah. right? Like, yeah, it's cool. Um, but then it kind of come back and they regroup and Ninja gets scoffed and, they, they, and then he like wants to teach him the martial arts. And he says the plan is that we need to get the money, we need to get the cars to get money so that we can, or is it to get the drugs and then get the money, something, yeah, oh, no, yeah, we- to get the guns, sorry, to then do the heist. And he's saying, I'm not doing the heist, I'm not doing the heist, you know. But then to me, it's still the fun in games is that then that car sequence because that happens next. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, that there's too much fun in, fun in that, it is that a bit, to isn't be it? on the other side of the midpoint, but I could be wrong. But because that that is sort of the sequence of those scenes. Well, you can so. sort of see that's 
that's Chappie moving to the darker side. It is, Up it to is. then, he was he was all you know. There's still a whole possibility that he would be entirely innocent and yeah. and nice. But the way that that scene is shot with the car stealing the cars, it's <laughs> done a in a really man. funny way. Like because you know, like he's like, you're a bad man. You stole my my car. And he just trashes the car. Like he just beats the living shit out of the car. So he still and he doesn't hurt anyone. Like he no. yeah, he steals cars and that's bad, but. In the sequence of it, and I think it's more like you've done all this fun and games, and then now it's like, okay, well, how far could we push that? Do that because then also I think Dion gets the gun. We we go into the midpoint. Um, Vincent, you know, uses the has the guard key and he uses that, and they go to that big Vodafone circular building, don't they, to buy the guns? Yeah, it's not, it's not called Vodafone. Not, they had a different yeah. name, but it's. it's <laughs> Vodafone. Whatever it is. But, Vodafone but, probably refused but to But you notice support. in that, it's like they have that moment with the dead dog and the live dog. And, and he Ninja says, you either are a live dog or a dead dog. And this is where and he sees his battery, doesn't he? Yeah. And, he, and, yeah, and he goes, I'm like, going to die. I'm going to die. So he's realizing he's going to die. So to me, to me, the car scene is the end of the fun and games. And okay. then it's kind of like rolls into that, that they take the cars to that game. And that's like, now it's serious. Like, now you are going to die. And because he even says, I don't do heist, like, and he's like, and then Ninja says, but you're either the dead dog or the live dog. Like, what do you want to be, you know? And it convinces him that we will use the heist money to get you a new body. Yeah. And transfer you. And then, and then at the same time, back at Tetravol, Vincent then plugs in the guard key. So this is kind of like, you know, yeah, this is going down that bad path to me. Sorry. Yes. And he uploads Genesis.dat, which again is... (laughs) Ironically named, it's because Genesis, as we all know, is the first book of the Bible. It describes the creation of the world mm. and the creation of life, but it's used to basically disable all the, the scout units, mm. and which causes riot. And yeah, the gangs go, "Oh my god, the, the scouts are gone. <laughs> We're only dealing with normal humans." Yeah. yeah, let's. This is this is party time, mm. and which. When you look at it, you think Genesis, except you realize though that Chappie also disables and Dion brings him back in here. So, But just before that, they do the heist, right? Mm. Do they do the heist then or do they do the heist after One that? moment, please. So, No, they do it after that. They do it after that. Yeah, Chappie Sorry, confronts yeah. Dion about the battery. Yep. Because Dion tries to get Chappie back. Yep. Uh, you know, after Chappie learns that he's going to die, and Chappie's like, you know, if you're my, if you're my creator, why did you make me yeah. die? <laughs> that's right. And oops, oh sorry, that's that didn't go very well. No, that didn't go. Well. I'm sorry. I, I apologize to any and all peoples who may have been offended by that, <laughs> which should be all of you. <laughs> it offended me. And now you're continually to offend more races by. <laughs> well, well, no, I'm allowed to do this because I, I am, I am basically. Now you're just being an old white man, aren't you? <laughs> yes, because I'm an old white man. I'm allowed to offend myself. Uh, yeah, so he, he confronts Dion right, yeah. about the battery, and and Dion says, "Well, yeah, you're going to die, but you get to live." Yeah, and yeah, you know, and this, of course, never works for anyone. No. If, if someone says, "Yeah, I'm going to die of cancer," this. Six months, yeah. covered in in honey. Find out it's not going to cure you, and he confronts the cult leader and says, "Yeah, yes, but these past five months, you've, you've lived. truly lived." Yeah. And you're like, "Yeah, I'd actually kind of like another forty years. It <laughs> would be good, yeah, please." Yeah. And particularly Chappie is like, "But you know, I'm should be immortal." Yeah, yeah, you know, which is it's kind of a uh, Hugh after after you know 
this confrontation that Hugh uploads Genesis and Chappie get fritzes out. The, the gangs go wild, but Dion um, pauses like Chappie mm. before, uh, you know, and drags him back to the lab because yep. he can fix him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, isolates this Genesis dot that before it can be removed. Yes. So we've got evidence here. Uh, and Hugh and, and we see this is where we're introduced to this helmet which can read consciousness like, yeah. well, it, it can read the mind so you can control moose. Moose. <laughs> moose. Moose. Uh, which watched, is this giant thing from Robocop. It, isn't yeah, it? like, it's a Robocop, Ed yeah. 209, I think yeah. they in Robocop, you know. Similar thing, but yeah, it's it's A big oversized yeah. armoured destroyer. Yeah. Not at all what the police want. No. I don't know whether they're trying to sell it to the police. No. That's straight to the military. This you is think a, the military would want it. Yeah, yeah you think so. Uh, but Chappie, of course, having spoken to his mummy uh, about it's what you know, life is what's inside you. Mm. It's it's your spirit. Mm. Uh, he sees the uh, potential here. Yes, and he goes, oh, you know, if I can read my consciousness, I can go to a new body. Mm. And they see, you know, there is the the new body in there, and they, but that's when you know all the cops come bursting yeah. in, and they have to run for it. They do, but he and he takes the helmet. He with takes him. the helmet yeah. with him. Yes. So then back at the lab, um, Chappie manages to start playing with the helmet, doesn't he? And he, uh, you know, gets, uh, you know, he figures out, he plugs it into all of the kind of devices and stuff that Ninja and that have, and he actually able to read his consciousness. And he does it and shows mum. And he shows mum. And so, you know, she has a play with it and he's like, you know, so that that's kind of cool. There's a little upbeat there. And then Ninja's plan is to go take, go do, we've got to do, do the, the heist. heist. And so you're going to get a body. Is, this is one of these um, little up points where you yeah. see a, a glimmer of hope. We go, yeah. oh, he's worked out, he can transfer himself. Yeah. So and we're going to go get the heist. Yeah. And with the money, they can get the new they can body. get a new body, yeah. And everything's going to work out and they're going to live happily as a family, mm. move to the suburbs, you know, get a dog, probably a robot dog. Mm. Um and could could you imagine Ninja living in the suburbs? With his, like, woof, he, you would not want him as a neighbour. And we have this like that you know like they go off to do the heist, but how it's been shot and edited, it's quickly jumped cut into the heist. So mm. we have these like you know I think it's like a real rev up of them going in the car, and then it's just like two or three cuts on the music. The music's cut out. And they've, they've, because the thing is, Chappie could just overpower the heist vehicle. Like, we don't really need to see that again. And so what it does is it cuts in when they're unloading the, the truck. Yeah. And, of course, he's, like, got one guard and he's, oh, you go to sleep, and stabs it, you know. And, yeah, he's, and then, he's and throwing then, his little throwing stars yeah, at them. Yeah, and then he, he's little throwing stars, that's right. And then and then he's got it, and, and the guard is actually, like, pleading for his life, and there's a real pause there, isn't there? Mm. That he's. I know that, that like, was oh, that was a creepy moment. Like, I think yeah. where he says, "Are you feeling sleepy?" So and you think, as the audience, to go, "Is he just going to oh, kill him?" Oh, yeah. this is not going to be good. No. But uh, the, yeah, the guard he says, I, I, "I don't, no, I don't want to die." And Chappie stops. Yeah. And you see, you know, he's a smart robot. Yeah. And the connections are forming. Going sleepy doesn't want to die. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, and, and like, he goes, what do I do? "Daddy yeah. said." But you know, uh, yeah. and so he runs off and leaves them there. That's yeah. that's fine. Yeah, so he d- doesn't kill them. So we we're happy as an audience. 
So and they filmed as this chaos is happening in the city. He's filmed robbing the heist vehicle, which then back at Tetraval is it Tetraval, whatever that 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 gives Hugh the sort of moment to kind of cue Hugh come into Sigourney's office and say. Look, he's still in shit. You're not going to be able to stop this robot without another. You need a robot to stop a robot. And she gives the go-ahead that he can use the moose. Moose. <laughs> moose. He should have done something like that. Hey? Like, moose, 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 moose. <laughs> right. So anyway, he does. He, he, he goes off and gets plugged in, which was what he was wanting the whole whole film, was to let moose free. So where does, where does Act 3 start in this film? Well, we're not we're not quite there. So that's when Dion. So they get they're back at the Dion arrives um, to warn that Chappie is going to be destroyed by Moose. Yes. And then at that moment, Moose arrives, and of course, it's been remotely controlled by Vincent. And we have this kind of uh, and Hippo arrives at the same time, doesn't he? To, yes. To get his money or whatever or his whatever it is, and um, so while all that's kind of confronting to me, this is the all is lost, which is when. Uh, Vincent arrives or Moose arrives and just does he cut his head off or his body? Oh, he rips, rips that dude, his, rips America in half. Rips America in half and yeah. you just kind of see him rip the half, throw it across. So to me, that's the all is lost, like someone dying. Like that's the death scene there. And then the Dark Knight of the Soul is an interesting one here is in it's not so much someone sitting on the side of the road. It's all that action that's unfolding there. Yeah, every, everything falls like, apart. Everything yes. is falling apart. The world is breaking apart. And there's a small glimmer, which, which to me is... To get Chappie, well, no, that's right. Dion gets shot as well, doesn't he? And so Chappie wants to get him back to the headquarters. Yeah, and this so is this is to me the plan to break into three. Well, this is lovely because this is where Chappie is finally inspired. Yeah, by this, you, you could sort of say, yeah, uh, the the Finger. loss, um, his Yolandi. Uh, she dies after this, but just yeah, before yeah. that, Dion is shot, yeah. and Chappie. He's learnt the value of life, like yeah. the the whole "Are you sleepy?" bit with a guard not wanting to die, and then mm. Dion dies. And this whole time, it's all been uh, Chappie doesn't want to die. Chappie doesn't yeah. want to die, and a couple of things have happened. The guard confronts him. He sees America die, and now his yeah. creator Dion yeah. is shot and is dying. Chappie suddenly realizes there's no point in me living. Mm. If other people, if I if I don't take action to help other people, because yeah. their life is as important as my life. Like why why does my life take precedence? Correct. Yeah. When I have the power to save them, I yeah. should do it. So that to me is the break into three. Is is actually him then? Because then it's plan and, is like, I've got to get Dion back to their headquarters. And this this is where I had a, a an <laughs> aha moment about Blomkamp and his movie style because I think. I'm not sure we've really necessarily spoken this on the podcast, but we spoke. I know we've spoken about this yeah, yeah. in person before, so perhaps we should let our listeners oh. in on this little secret conversation we have. <laughs> but what we've, what we've talked about, as, we have a lot of secrets. Sorry, I don't know which one. <laughs> as as creative people who are creating stories yeah. and in writing, the the real secret to being um, to to writing a story to completion and enjoying the process mm. is to follow your muse yeah. follow that that element which uh really takes you and impresses you and those who have listened to enough of these uh podcasts would know that one of the things that really gets me is um i suppose spiritual existentialism which is mm. 
odd because I'm such a scientifically minded, logical sort of person. Some might but say they do go hand in hand. Any of these movies <laughs> where there's this um, hint of of religious uh, or, or spiritual enlightenment mm. from you know like you know even event horizon yeah. and uh infinity and you know any number of these sort of things where we're talking birth death resurrections and that i love this and that sort of redemption mm. of the soul if yeah. you like which offends me at a at a base level but i love it and, and so i have to i have to create characters that do that blomkamp here i can see it is um a dissection and investigation of empathy mm. so we see all that in district nine where we yeah. start with vickers <clears throat> is a very apathetic character yeah and then as by the end of it he's not just a little bit empathetic he is literally one of the aliens yeah and so he he is walking in their shoes he's, yeah. he's the embodiment of empathy yeah in here we have chappy is this um embodiment of of uh the next evolution of humanity or, mm. or intelligence but suddenly realizes how, how what it's like for these people who are dying because yeah. he's dying he, he sees it and he has that empathy mm. and when we do Elysium again this is explored in another facet yeah of his things and does he have another he's got a horror movie that he did recently yeah, as part yeah, of there's o a studio. lot of shorts isn't there out the O studio which yeah, has got um, a lot of, I saw a couple of they're really yeah. good yeah um, but yeah so it's interesting I, I get a feeling that this is one of the things. This is a theme. He, he, likes he to loves explore. to look at how people can view the world from different people's viewpoints. Yeah. Anyway, that that was that was my little aha moment. You know, you you sort of get there analyzing things. You go, oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, definitely. Ooh, that's a lovely present. Um, thank you, Neil, for that lovely little Easter egg eh, in the story. Ninja though wants to sacrifice himself. Yeah. To uh, and draw Moose away, yeah, to enable them to, to escape. allow them to escape, yeah. But it looks like he's going to get just annihilated. And yeah. Yolandi goes, Nah, not gonna let this happen because yeah. you know, I yeah, love Ninja, yep. he's cool, apparently. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, he's he's just not as well developed, perhaps, socially as what he could be. And she, in fact, does save him but gets blown apart in the process, yeah. Yeah. uh, and it is. Um, at some point here where then Chappie, there's a bit of a struggle. The moose gets blown to pieces. Yeah. Well, I think he'd had Chappie had, uh, had a bomb ready to go hadn't yeah. he, that he plugged into him when they earlier fought, but didn't detonate it. So after that, he kind of overpowers him, comes comes being able to grab the de detonator and blows moose and, apart. And isn't this whole scenario where they're, they're, all their plans fall apart mm. because now Dion's dying, Yolandi's dead. Yeah. It's like the reversal, yeah. As is. we're talking about, it's like the yeah. the plan that they had and the glory that was going to be. Mm. It's just not there because no. they were following what they were doing before. They're going to do something different. They do. So then, Ninja helps them uh, by you know fanging it to the factory. So that's see, that's the thing with Ninja. He hasn't really. He's been all in about himself. Yes. Whereas then now he's willing to help Chappie and Dion. Like, why help this Dion character? Because he yeah. never liked him. Chappie was only there to do the heist, but no, he returns the favour and helps. Um, so he's had growth as a character too. Yeah. And so, yeah, the plan is get back there. When they get to the factory, 
Hugh Ball is there. <laughs> Hugh Ball's there. And basically Chappie storms into his office and beats the living daylights uh, out of him. I, I love... It's a good fight scene. I love this fight scene. It's it's very Terminator. It is. But yeah. we're on the side of the Terminator. Term- <laughs> and the thing I love about this, he goes all Kill Bill and like, yeah. you know, chopping and, and chucking and, and all the rest of it. Throws him through the ceiling and all But what things. I think is beautiful is that at the end, Chappie again realises, you know, killing him doesn't help anyone. No, no. His life has value too. Yeah. He's a yeah. he's a bit of a dirtbag, but you know, killing him doesn't achieve anything. Yes, it doesn't further Chappie's goals at all. No, um, and then he, as you know, in a dying Dion sort of moment, he comes back and transfers. They realise that uh, no, Chappie comes up with the idea that we we could both transfer your consciousness across into um, the robots. There's the test crash test dummy. Uh, yes, scout. And Dion's like, no, no, you know, like... You need that body. You need that body. And so he he does that. He he transfers Chappie across, doesn't he? No, he transfers no, Dion. No, Dion. Sorry, transfers Dion and across. And it works. How cool would it be for Dion, though, yeah. finally being in a robot? I know, it'd be awesome. I mean, so, he's, his whole life's dedicated to creating these things yeah. and creating intelligent robots, and he gets to be an intelligent robot. He does. <laughs> and then, of course, we get the thing where you go, oh, no, now Chappie's going to cark it. Yeah. But no, they managed to find a nearby scout. Yeah. And in the nick of time, yeah, everything's coming to a crunch because yeah, the they're, they're, they're trying to bash in. the door yeah. in and Chappie finally dies on the bench. We don't know no. if it succeeded. And old Dion goes charging out and jumps out with his robot body yeah. into the alleyway where there is a scout yeah. that stands up. Yeah. And there's like, Chappie, Dion, <laughs> and they you know, high five and cuddle or whatever it is yeah. that robots and then run do. Because, yeah, the and police then run are, like crazy. Yeah, because the police are circling in. But then this is where we have a, a further extension, which is, so this is where we have the final image. It's a lovely little image. Ninja's sort of effigy, so to speak, is they bury her yeah. um, in the ground and he's burning memories, photos, whatever, from a box and and the bottom of the box he suddenly lifts out a USB a which says USB. mummy's consciousness test backup something if, like if that. you went back 20 years it would have been a floppy disk it would have been a floppy disk but it's a it's a USB so if you know what that is they're sort of going out aren't they and so it's like oh he's like kind of stares at it in interest and with that then we have Chappie building a female robot yeah basically hacks into the um Robot factory. Yeah. And I like like this because the beginning shows the robots in a... They're suppressing violence. Yeah. But this, it's got this nice music playing, mm. you know, and the robot that they create for Yolandi is, you know, it's got a pleasant female face and yeah. it, it looks peaceful. Yeah, it does. And the, the, whole, the whole idea here is now, oh, these robots wasn't... She's not created as a warrior. No. She's created as... He's recreating her, but just uh, as a person. As a person, yeah. yeah. Like Dion, but he's getting to build her. And it, and it ends on a shot of her opening her eyes. Yes. Um, so it's a beautiful shot to end on. So terrific. It's a great film. Neil has you know, hit sci-fi out of the park again. And it is interesting, isn't it? Because you mentioned horror. His next feature film is a horror. So I don't know if he's going to deviate now and go off into the so, horror genre. So he did... Demonic was the one he did in 21. Like yeah, last, that one came out last year or something. A year, year ago yeah. or so. Yeah. It wasn't well received by critics. Mm. I don't know. Maybe 
maybe he's just getting his legs in horror. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's an interesting. It's in, interesting though. He's going from clearly science fiction, and I, I've looked it up. I found it. District Nine was Peter Jackson's consolation to yeah. Neil because Neil was supposed to do the Halo, the Halo movie. movie. Yeah, Halo yeah, movie got canned. It's now come out as a series on Paramount yeah, Plus. Something. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's supposed to be quite good. I'm not subscribed to that, so I, I'll have to wait, and I'm sure I'll see it eventually. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that was the story at the time because Peter Jackson had seen some of his short films and loved like the, the that documentary kind of rough and tumble point of view sort of shot mm. shooting that Neil has done in all of his films. And and so, so he's done his three yeah. big sci-fi yeah. and, and they, each of them have been to one extent or another they've all been successful really successful yeah. like, I mean, like thing. worthy of giving him more money money yeah you'd think that they want to keep mm. working on it but anyway so let us know what you thought about the plot points and whether we hit the right mark we had a little bit of disagreeing on a couple of areas tonight about Chappie, about the midpoint, about the inciting incident, about breaking into two so yeah let us know what your beat points were and um, we would love to, yeah, hear your thoughts about what you th- what you thought about our area, <laughs> our breakdown. So we do like to do a ladder idea uh, where we are just putting out the suggestion of, hey, if you're going to watch Chappie, why don't you watch these couple of films around Chappie? And it would be like rungs of a ladder, not so much an order of preference overall, but just more steps in the science fiction world. And there is so many out there. We are up to episode 81, so we've got a lot on this, a lot of rungs on this ladder now. Uh, For me, Surrey, I am going to put this in. We like to do them into the little trilogies or three steps. Um, I am going the West Australian sci-fi, I am Mother, (laughs) and then Chappie, and then I have Platform as the next one. So that's my little trilogy of sci-fi. I feel that, of course, I am Mother and Chappie, there's a... There's quite a few similarities there, both AI, you know, the social science of AI. Um, And then obviously I think if you – and then just as a bit of a palate cleanser, I think the platform would be a real nice (laughs) mix in there. So if you haven't seen the platform yet, please go and check it out. That's a very disturbing sci-fi, but it's a great one. So, yeah, I sort of feel the two mother – I am mother and chappy. Probably there's some similar things going on and then platform can just rinse your mouth out afterwards. How about yourself? What was your little trilogy of recommendations? Uh, look, I'm going to have to go in here with oh, Revolt. Mm. So Revolt is also set in Africa. Yes, it is. Uh, but the robots there are uh, an invading intelligence. Inva- yeah, yeah, yeah. And to yeah, you know, it's it's going to have to shift this ladder around a little bit. But I think you should watch Chappie Revolt. And Tau. Yeah, right. Okay. Because again, I do like you know pairing up this these three different views on this intelligence going in there. Fair enough. So let us know how your ladder's plodding along if you're following along at home, or um, you know maybe you've just joined us on this particular episode and you want to start building your own ladder. We've given you some suggestions there. So hit us up. Let us know on Instagram, Facebook, or through our website. What is your ladder looking like? So. Are we talking about social sciences? Are we talking about artificial intelligence? Are we talking about blue boats tonight? Sorry. What on earth blue are boats. we talking about? Yeah, you gave us the Oh, yeah, the, the red blue boats. The, <laughs> my grandfather's axe. Yeah, yeah. Um, millennial man. That's right. Sorry, he's going to talk about that for the next half an hour. Go for it. 
No, <laughs> I, I'm going to be talking about transhumanism. Oh, okay. Which is which is yeah, what what Chappie yeah. comes to at the end here because yes. uh, there's there's been a whole bunch of thoughts. So the idea of transhumanism is is this thought of what are humans going to be or what can they become? Mm, yeah. And we've obviously got you know there's natural evolution. People are saying we're not really evolving much anymore mm. because we. Uh, we have reached a point where our technologies are able to remove most of the stresses which mm. cause evolution. Yeah, right. Uh, there are people who disagree and say yep. that, in fact, our environment, as our technological environment, requires and favors certain traits. Yep. There are some people, for example, who say that we are favoring traits which fall on this spectrum, now the mm. autism spectrum, yeah, due right. to. Um, the requirement to be able to focus in on and or think orderly like a computer, yep. you know, being able to do that sort of thing. That all aside, uh, have a quick look at this. So transhumanism as an idea of us being able to become more than ourselves through mm -hmm. it's like human in, uh, created change of humans. Yeah, right. Obviously, you see it in Chappie, but we'll start off back in the 1920s where there's a, a very... I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm gonna go on a limb here and and say you'd probably classify this guy in a movie as a mad scientist mm -hmm. because Ilya, yeah, the big white grey hair, Ilya Ivanov, uh, <laughs> is this Russian fellow in the 1920s. Uh, he he thought, wouldn't it be good if we could mix humans and chimpanzees mm. to create? a new form of human. Awesome. Moving beyond humanity. You can't, as it turns out. <laughs> but that didn't stop him from it's trying. It's a thesis. It's a thesis. Because, you know, our DNA is, you know, 98, 99. Like we're, we're as close, close, as close, close as we can be with bonobos, I think is the closest thing we've got. It turns out that that little deviation in DNA is a big change. It's probably important. There's also an experiment done uh, in the 50s uh, of raising a chimp in a family, a human family, with a human child. Yes. And raising the chimp as a child. Right. And how much was nature, how much is nurture, you know, mm. a chimps are very close to humans. Are they so chimp-like because they're raised in family By groups chimps. of chimps? Yep. And would they be more human-like? The answer is no, they're still chimps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously it's a slightly oddly behaved chimp but mm. nonetheless it turns out that no it's, still wanted to rip its mum's head it's, ears off yeah you're still gonna rip your lips <laughs> off don't worry about it <laughs> keep away from those things so the 1920s saw Ilya Ivanov chimpanzee humanzi I think they call them is the idea <laughs> these series of experiments nice. it, it just didn't work yeah uh, don't worry there was there was it was artificial insemination don't have to worry about the peculiarities <laughs> of how you're gonna arrange such things they didn't you know have romantic dinners or any of that. I think Doc Doc missed out an extra part of the experiment there then. Yeah, could you romance a chimpanzee? <laughs> yeah, how do you seduce a chimp? Could a chimp seduce a human? Mm. Unknown. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are some people who have gone long enough without romance that they might squint <laughs> at a chimp and I don't know. <laughs> if, if, you know, if she cooked a good dinner. Yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> uh, this led, however, into the 1930s with a particular interest in and in eugenics. So eugenics as a, as a field, it's before the 1930s, obviously. It's been around for, for quite a while. Uh, in fact, we practice 
uh, eugenics in our farms. Yeah. You know, and the fact that uh, golden retrievers, uh, golden retrievers and chihuahuas and chihuahuas yeah. and wolves are neither. Mm. We've done that. You know, we have taken animals and plants with characteristics that we like and we bred them and then kept the ones which exhibit that characteristic the most. Yes. And we keep doing that. Uh, and over generations, you end up with, um, you know, a retriever that naturally wants to hold things in its mouth yeah. and just... And, yeah. and Labradors that think they're wolves. And la- Labradors <laughs> that think they're but, wolves. But not really wolves at all. But, yeah, uh, really bad wolves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the idea is that well, you could do the same thing with humans, couldn't you? Yeah. You could Presume take... So. Why not? And, and the, the, the purest concept of eugenics is is not especially creepy or wrong because mm. it makes a lot of sense and, and people have done it anyway mm. uh, where they sort of go, you know, uh, looking for a, a healthy, strong partner with yeah. which to create healthy, strong children. Yes. Uh, but, of course, in the 1930s there was a particular group of people who – took eugenics and then the natural consequence of this is that uh, you know if we're going to create uh, a new breed of humanity that's better than humanity yeah uh, then we want to you know find the best uh, specimens to breed for that mm. and keep get rid of the the trash yep uh, the sad thing of course as we know with humans is that we're incredibly complex creatures and it's really how do you judge what is the good parts? And and as it turns out, like the golden retriever example, beautiful dogs, very friendly, calm, peaceful, hip dysplasia and arthritis uh, and, you know, laryngeal paralysis. Does, you know, are are they stronger, you know? No, turns out, yeah, they've got certain traits that we like, but there are other traits we don't like and Mm. you've just kind of exaggerated both. And so it's the same with humans. You, you try and do it with humans and, yeah, you get, okay, we want people with blonde hair. Mm. So, okay, yes, you could breed people to have blonde hair by picking blonde-haired people and making them breed with blonde-haired people and try to yeah. get the most blondest people. But then they all turn into Instagram influencers. But, but yeah, do they just like sit and, you know, take selfies the whole time with duck face? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's nothing to say that having blonde hair is in any way a better trait than having any other yeah, color of hair. Right. I mean, and but of course, we all know what happened in the, in the 30s going to the 40s. Uh, and if we don't know, you should probably go check a couple of history books or play <laughs> Wolfenstein. <laughs> so out of, the, out of that, though, we came to the, the 50s and the 60s and we're looking more at technology hmm. now because, okay, so the whole eugenics thing, it turns out that's far too complicated and there's no way of judging what the best traits are, yeah. you know, trying to make the smartest strongest. Okay, that doesn't mean they're the better person. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be better for the human race just because they've got a higher IQ. I mean, there's plenty of people with high IQs who are terrible waste of time. Yeah. Like myself. <laughs> well. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As you can see, there are problems with all people. Uh, including myself, especially myself, maybe. So Bionic Man, the TV show, uh, yeah. The Six Million Dollar Man, is uh, an expression of that idea, this this belief in technology joining with us to make us stronger and better. Mm-hmm. And we have got prostheses and so forth, which are helping people 
who otherwise like you know have lost or yeah. don't have a leg or whatever or um you know they lost their hearing or lost their eyesight uh and, and this isn't without its own um you know complications or problems as you know the deaf society they also sort of say well they have a culture yeah like there is deaf culture yeah which is distinctly different from hearing culture <laughs> and it's you know you go and a lot of a lot of people in the deaf culture might sort of say it's not like you're curing us no you're changing us yes right. and some would welcome a change but some would not it's it's you can't push this and say this is definitely the better thing that's right but it is an option that is available which i think is important we need these options mm. we need to be able to know that um you know, I, I could, if I lose a leg, I could get some sort of a replacement yeah. uh, or I could adapt and grow. And there, there are people who don't get uh, prostheses yep. and they uh, they thrive without them. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say they enjoy it because I'm going to, I mean, do I enjoy having two legs? I, mean, I wouldn't know, but do I, does a person with one leg enjoy having one leg? Uh, they, they have it, they adapt, they thrive and, and that's their life. That's right. So we've kind of, we're kind of reaching a bit of a limit on the technology of, of replacing parts, but we're still going there. We talked about, you know, uh, mind computer interfaces to allow uh, people who are locked in to be able to communicate. And in 2012, we got CRISPR. So this is that next point of, okay, so breeding people on Earth, that's kind of problematic. But what if we could give you a toolkit and you could make your own choices about what you want to do to yourself? Mm. You know, just like here's a, tattoo needle and a piercing gun you know go to town if you if you want Plastic to tattoo surgery. yourself if you want to get yeah. a nose job do it yeah. okay here's your genetic toolkit and go on it and crispr <laughs> there's there's an excellent documentary on netflix at the moment about the discovery and use of crispr and what it is because a lot of people always and myself included like what the hell actually is this yeah uh, and the letters C S I, you know, C R I S P R stand for um, I can't remember what it stands for. Something like the sequential repeating pattern or something. But it doesn't really matter what it stands for. But what it is is it's an enzyme taken from bacteria and RNA, which is what you know, you want to cut the DNA at. You know, mm, yeah. to insert your own bit of DNA, you need to first chop the DNA at a certain point and then introduce a new piece and let it incorporate. Because right. our DNA has natural capabilities built into our cells to repair itself. Like it gets damaged all the time and it repairs itself all the time. And what it will do is if it gets a break at a certain point and, you know, it will um, find another bit of DNA floating around and, and that'll fit and it'll copy it in. Mm. And if we introduce our own fixed bit of DNA, like we sort of say, here's the gene that causes sickle cell anemia, mm -hmm. uh, we chop that out, and then we introduce a repaired bit which doesn't have that broken bit, yep. the DNA will just incorporate that. Mm. And now you've cured it. And the enzyme bit is called Cas9. It yeah. comes from bacteria, and that's bacteria's defense mechanism against viruses. Mm. So the bacteria keeps inside of its own DNA little codes of viruses it's encountered and survived and it loads these into this Cas9 enzyme which is this, this um, it's a catalyst it's a, an enzyme is a bit of uh, biology uh -huh. uh, chemistry that will rapidly cause a chemical reaction to occur yeah, right. and in this case 
it goes along and where its little piece of RNA matches with a virus DNA, mm. it latches on. And when it's when it latches on like that, like it, it connects, the enzyme goes to work and breaks the DNA chain at that point. Yeah, right. And our viruses are very simple. They only have a strand of DNA. So yeah. if you cut it, the dead it dies. Yeah. Like it like it's not like our cells which have multiple copies and can repair itself and really cool. Mm. So it's a great way of killing viruses for bacteria. But it means now we can take that same enzyme and cut our DNA and introduce what we want. Mm. And we've got like a little toolkit now that people can use. Yeah. Uh, and various people have done biohacking to try and uh, improve themselves. One guy cured himself of lactose intolerance <laughs> for a few weeks, <laughs> which is, you know, that in yeah. itself is pretty cool. I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. So I've, I've became that way. It is um, very common. About 75% of people will at some point become lactose intolerant to some degree or another. Yeah. Um, a large proportion of East Asians are lactose intolerant from a very young age. Yeah. Um, Western Europeans less so because we evolved consuming cow's milk yeah. long into adulthood. Uh, and so that was a bit of an evolution there, which does show that we do keep evolving. Yeah, yeah. CRISP is all well and good. It's almost impossible. Just like eugenics, it's almost impossible at the moment mm. with our current knowledge to know what effect we're going to have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we spoke about the twins that got born, the clones, mm. uh, not clones that they got genetically modified to be immune to, you know, uh, HIV mm. we don't know what that's going to do to those poor kids yeah, yeah. and we can't be doing that to kids that's yeah. not right you can do it to yourself <laughs> why not you know do whatever you want to you know poke your own eyes out, eyes out if you want I mean I'm not going to stop you well I'll, I probably would actually if I saw you trying it <laughs> but so CRISPR has moved on people then talk about what about virtual reality what about computers what about Chappie being able to capture consciousness and transfer it into a robot form. Mm. Uh, this is super interesting. And this is one of these areas that people, uh, again, much like genetic engineers, believe it's entirely possible. Mm. Not now, because we just don't have the technology. And in fact, it's entirely possible that it's, the, it's not just the um, logical structure of the connections of our brain, which we could given enough technology we could model. Yeah. But it could actually be the fundamental chemical makeup mm. of our brain. Yeah, that's right. Which gives the consciousness. Yeah. So that, that's something that's going to have to be tackled at some point. Yep. But it's just a matter of progress. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if we keep going, we'll be able to create a maybe something like a replicant, which is yeah. biologically enough that we can imprint our consciousness on it and it becomes us yeah uh and in chappie that's what they do they, they sort of go into these scouts and and we have this interesting case where in the machine the movie we're watching mm. the fear was that the the artificial intelligence becomes smarter than us yeah it will create artificial intelligence children mm. that replace us yes they're, they're so far ahead of us that humans become obsolete yep Chappie takes another look at it, which is that Chappie is smart enough to be able to solve that gap, how to get the human into a computer, mm. and that's what he's doing. He's offering yeah. that to us. We yeah. now have that option. Again, the people will sort of say, oh, no, but human culture is, a, is its own thing. And you know, it is. Yeah. You can choose yeah. to do this. Some yeah. people will. Some people won't. 
Will. And I mean, Chappie took on very human elements, didn't he, in his growth? Yeah, and it would become a a distinct. It would be a stepping change. Yeah. Like it, it would be a step. Of course, that changed. And eventually, yes, humans would probably become a minority because uh, these robots don't die. Yeah, and and on, and on it goes. But we're kind of moving towards that already. There's uh, a bit of a paper in this psychology. So on the um, PubMed, which is one of my favorite places to go, it's the uh, NCBI. So it's the anyway, it's it's an institute of medicine. Hmm. Uh, it's a government organization for uh, the United States. It's got world psychiatry. So there's a, a paper here by Firth. Uh, Taurus, Stubbs, and a bunch of others, which is called The Online Brain, How the Internet May Be Changing Our Cognition. So what we're talking about here is we are extending ourselves into the internet. The internet is becoming a part of our knowledge base and our intelligence. And you can see this. Some people... Some people do not know how to Google. Mm. Like they're fundamental. They have not moved into the internet. Yeah. And you can tell that because you go onto Facebook and someone will sort of say, how, you know, they'll ask some question of of, of the people on Facebook. Mm. And the answer is you, you literally copy and paste that into Google, take the first result. There's a description of exactly what you want and a video which demonstrates it mm. and a podcast about it. And here's a newspaper article. You're like, yeah. Why are you not just doing that? Why, like, mm. and the answer is they have not moved into the internet. Yeah. yeah Whereas yeah. Uh, myself and, and probably the majority of people with the internet, yeah. particularly with, say, smartphones these days, you know, your part of your knowledge base is the internet. Like, yeah. even myself, uh, I, I like to read and memorize things and just remember stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, I'm finding I actually just remember the search term I use to find an article. Mm-hmm. Or I remember there is an article and I remember the highlight abstract of it knowing that at any time I can just do the same search, find that link because it'll already be purple. Mm-hmm. It shows that I've already clicked on it before and there it is. There's my knowledge. Yeah. And then I can follow those links in that page to on and on and on to get as much, mm. you know, get down to the textbooks and the, the primary sources. I know that so I don't bother memorizing it. Yep. In the past, people had to remember it yep. or the, you know, but if we look at it even further, though, and we all know about this, it's that Facebook and Amazon and you know, Netflix, Spotify, they're starting to suggest stuff that we'd like. Mm. They start to know that's because a part of our personality is already living. It's imprinted mm. in the fabric of the internet. Yeah. And you can have all the blocking, all of the whatever procedures you want to do. Yeah, It won't change a thing. The only way to not be on there is to not be on there. Yeah. As soon as you use the internet, in fact, even not even being on the internet, you are partially there because other people you know know you and they're using the internet. So you've got a shadow profile that is out there. Mm. And there's there's some companies that are looking at going, uh, what if we take a person's print in the internet Mm. And we chuck it through AI and produce a chatbot that you could ask questions of, and it will answer, making uh, what you might call, you know, artificial intelligent, intuitive leaps mm-hmm. on what would 
Surrey say, you know, like, so yeah. we feed all of my f- posts, all of my podcasts, all of my work, everything into this AI. And now you've got a chatbot. And so I'm dead, but you can still ask this chatbot and it will respond like me. Mm. So people who knew me would go, yeah, that is something Surrey would say. Yeah, right. Uh, of course, it's not me. Yeah. Or is it? I mean, how far away are we from the point where, in fact, you know, we've got deep fake technology? Yeah. Where we can do voices and vi- and images, yep. videos. How far away will it be before we can actually have a virtual version of ourselves, uh, simulacrum, homunculus, if you like, uh, of ourselves? Yeah, I think the algorithm's a bit far away, but it's really interesting if you took that digital imprint of everything you've inputted onto the internet and if they filtered all that down, what that chatbot, what that digital Uh, version of you would be like. I know. Well, there is a company that does that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how extensive they are. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, and then, if you just fast forward that, I'm almost curious to, years, you know, like, to do that because, unfortunately, to use it, you've got to give them uh, access to all of your yeah, all social stuff. media and yeah. all of your YouTube and your, your browsing history. Mm. You've, you know, it's a fair old invasion of privacy. But it's interesting, isn't it, to do something like that if you had someone pass away? Well, that's isn't that's it, what they're like, sort like, of. That's probably what they're pitching to. Pitching at there is like, mm. so you can kind of ask some questions to be a little bit like you could imagine. Like we had a good friend suddenly die when she was thirty. Mm. Like just she died overnight. It's basically she died of adult SIDS. Is really what happened to her. No warning, nothing. She just died in her sleep. Mm. So shocking for her parents and all that. You know, like a thirty-year-old girl dead, and so you could imagine. You know. They kept her Facebook alive, you know, and you could imagine them trying to take all of her internet data and they would be interested in that. Wouldn't you be interested? It's that old conundrum, isn't it? It's like, would you bring someone back from the dead? Pet cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> but I, digitally. Yeah, and and I think <clears throat> I think we are going to get to that point. And that's that movie, isn't it? Rep- replicants in a Rep- way. Replicants yeah. and... and um... Yeah, any there's there's a couple other movies I can't remember, yeah, but yeah. it's same sort of thing where, well, yeah, your your online persona becomes mm. a person. Yeah, and isn't that what Zuckerberg kind of wants to do with the metaverse thing that he wants to do? Yeah, yeah, isn't I mean, that his kind of dream? Like not so much the dead thing, but like shift everything online that you're an online persona. Yeah, a I little mean, bit like that movie um, that we have done, the Bruce Willis, Rada Mitchell. Um, one that we did, you know, they're like clones walking around, like they're all good looking kind of Yeah, versions. that's the replicas. Rep, uh, no, uh, surrogates. Surrogates. Surrogates, yeah. yeah. Rep, no, replicas is the Replicants is the Canaries ones, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that, I don't know if that's, exi- I don't think that's what Zuckerberg wants. I think he wants it in the, in the internet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd On be interesting. Internet. I mean, is, <laughs> is the, the future of humanity going to be basically, an, you know, Digital. like a, a fusion reactor powering a massive computer bank yeah. of a virtual digital versions world. of us. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's something to be said for that. I mean, you could basically launch that in orbit around the sun with big solar panels itself perpetuating with some, you know, automated machinery keeping it going for forever, forever, and you know, I don't, I don't know. It's it's that's a movie in itself. There's probably several <laughs> movies and books already about that. I'm sure of it. Is uh, yeah, Rendezvous with, Rendezvous with Rama by um, Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah, I think actually 
is kind of like that. The, the humans come across this this alien craft enters into our solar system and people go and explore it and they find it's sort of this um, uh, data bank of a civilization which right. can recreate itself. Like it's, it's like a civilization that's sort of frozen in time yeah. in these data systems, but then they've got uh, automated processes and this big yeah. ocean of organic soup, yeah. which can then recombine to create stuff. Mm, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they sort of, you know, research it and find that, yeah, Earth, our, our solar system is not its final destination. Mm. It's passing through and traveling on. But the, their thought, their theory being that it's going to go somewhere, and then you basically restart. You know, it's, it's like they put their civilization on pause, froze everyone and everything into these memory banks, fired it off, and when it gets to its destination, it will rebirth and recreate mm. what got frozen. Yeah, um, and so that's kind of yeah, it's interesting. interesting isn't it? yeah. yeah. Anyway, that, that's transhumanism, and there's so many different. Angles of that, yeah. um, angles of that about longevity and you know, all the rest of it, but uh, it's fascinating to think of that we could, you know, within you know not ten years, not twenty years, maybe a hundred years, maybe two hundred years, we could begin to the point where we're having uh, realistic artificial intelligence. I mean, mm. Musk says twenty twenty nine will have that's just nonsense. We just like it's uh, artificial, like we just don't have. The capacity for that. No, it's still a bit away that way. But anyway, we'll. But it'll. See. It, I think it will get there. Yeah, we will eventually oh, yeah, we'll have. Get there. We'll be there. Um, I, I sadly, I don't think I'll be around to see it unless I can freeze myself. Freeze your consciousness. Yeah, in a, <laughs> in a useful way. Maybe my online, you know, metaverse simulacra will be there. That's right. So that brings us to the end of Chappie. Let us know what you thought. Let uh, hit us up on our website, Facebook, email, Instagram, In- Instagram, Metaverse. Get, get on a film festival at spacebrains.com.au. Yeah, do check out the uh, timeline, the dates, get some tickets, and get um, you know, get involved. You want to get the tickets before you turn up, yes. otherwise you'll be embarrassed. So give us a five-star rating, write a review. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts, anywhere you find Space Brains, let us know. Leave a review. That always helps. Link us around the place. Share us. Um, We're getting some good feedback from a couple of different listeners, which is fabulous. So keep that up. Uh, We love hearing your ideas about where we're going and if we, you want us to head in any other direction or even film suggestions, you can send it our way. So for our next episode, sorry. I reckon we should keep going with Blomkamp. We're going to keep going with Blomkamp. I think we should do the Elysium. Why not? Let's do it. Because there's, you know, I think that we will find, and I watched this a while ago, so, you know, I could be a bit wrong, but I think we'll find some parallels between Elysium, Chappie, and District 9. I think we will. I look forward to that. And we'll be able to pick apart a, a successful filmmaker's maybe some of his ideas and processes and and use that to inspire ourselves awesome okay we'll see you on the we'll see you at the festival and we'll see when you listen to us post festival on our next episode and you'll hear who won each of the categories that's right they'll be all available all right catch you later bye-bye